Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and importantly some of your very own personal stories. I want to thank you for being part of Mike's Open Journal as guests, as visitors, as speakers, as listeners. Welcome to the world of mental health. And remember, you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the MoJ Podcast and to episode 134. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing and doing all of that awesome podcast stuff. I hope you've had a great week. I hope whatever you're doing right now is pleasurable or as much as it can be. Um, I know from speaking to a few listeners before, um, you are potentially doing jobs around the house or travelling to or from work. So maybe not the most pleasurable thing, but I hope whatever you're doing you're able to enjoy it in some way. This week's been an interesting one. There's been uh, quite a few things going on. So I know there's a few uh, different talking points that are going to be coming up very soon. Um, As always, if you'd be interested in coming onto the podcast and talking about sharing your own experience or some general thoughts around mental health and wellbeing, you can find out all of the information at mikesopenjournal.com or you can contact me through uh, whichever social media you are used to accessing. Today though I am delighted to be joined by David who's going to share some of his experience, his knowledge uh, around well-being. Particularly we're going to be looking at addiction recovery uh, and theatre and the arts and how that has and how it can uh, play a role in someone's recovery in their general well-being as well I think is, is really important to mention whether they've experienced a particular struggle with mental health or not. Uh, but David has some really interesting uh, and really insightful uh, experiences with um, particularly the the addiction recovery and and the theatre. It's really interesting to hear some of the examples that he had and and just to hear and find out a little bit more about David's story as well. As always, links to David and to some of the topics that we cover will be in the description as well, so you can click through and have a look at those. But as always, I'm going to get you straight into the conversation as soon as possible. 
So again, thank you so much for continuing to download, subscribe and be part of the podcast. I really hope you are continuing to enjoy it as we creep towards that 150th episode. It's just, yeah, it's gone by so quickly. Um, I'm still amazed uh, and wowed by the number of people that have come forward to share their stories, their experience, their knowledge as well, particularly in this episode with David uh, and last week's episode with John hearing really informed really well-educated people talk about their experience as well is hugely interesting uh, and very uh, informative for for both myself and hopefully for you guys as well so i hope you continue to enjoy the podcast and everything that is coming along with it but without further ado here is my conversation with david from oh wow it's a couple of weeks ago now so i hope you enjoy it and i look forward to talking to you again soon but just to start off, it'd be really interesting just to hear how your day or how the last week's been for you. Right. Well, um, you've picked a very, very busy week and fortnight. Oh. In, the last, in the last fortnight, um, I was in Nashville and New York. And then I was back for a day. And then I went to a wonderful surprise. But Oh, no, I went, sorry, Nashville and New York. Then I went to Scotland to do deliver some lectures. Hmm. And then, after a day back in England, I've just spent a weekend in Lugano on the lakes on the Swiss-Italian border for a completely, I'm pleased to say, successful surprise birthday party for a dear friend that I was in Jesus Christ Superstar about 42 years ago. And and she had no idea. Her name's Dana Gillespie, and she played Mary Magdalene. And she had no idea and... I'm so delighted to tell you the secret was kept. So it was fantastic. And um, I'm pleased we're speaking today because tomorrow morning I'm off to Thailand, up to North Thailand, Chiang Mai, where I'm involved with an addiction project up there. So so busy. Wow, yeah. And not just busy, all over the place. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What, yeah, I don't know which time zone I'm in now. <laughs> I wonder I can't sleep. So... Uh, I know I want to eat six meals a day as opposed to three, but that's um, not normal for me. Oh, anyway, I can't imagine the, <laughs> the amount of jumping around. I mean, I'm uh, I think I'm what I'm week two into a five week period of just like twelve hour days and mm. doing stuff on the weekends, and I feel a little bit lost as to what days what and what's going on. But I right. don't have to contend with the 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 travelling that you're doing. That is absolutely yeah. amazing. Wow, whoosh. Um, must be pretty awesome though to get to go to different places and, and speak about the work that you're being involved yeah, with I, I am very lucky and I, I've been um, well let's say three quarters of the way around the world with my work um, I'm very blessed oh wow um, well I guess to kind of start off really it'd be really interesting to hear a bit more about yourself David and kind of what your backstory is and, and why okay. you're, you're getting involved in the projects that you are well, uh, my backstory is that I was a failure at, failure at school, and um, I had a brilliant idea at fifteen that uh, I want to be an actor. And I'm sure my parents, who had given up trying to get me educated, thought, "Oh, well, this is obviously the fad of the week, and next week you'll probably want to be a parachutist or a scuba diver." So they didn't take it very seriously. And my fate was uh, in the mid 1960s that I got into um, acting, children's TV, theatre, movies and radio. Mm. Um, I was very much in the right place at the right time. Um, 
And really, it wasn't until many years later when it all came crashing down did I, and then I was able to reflect on my life and I ended up in a rehabilitation program myself um, that I'd been successful. I was just a kid um, who worked and worked um, everything from kids TV to West End shows and sometimes I'd do a West End show at night and I'd be doing a guest spot in a show like uh, Bless This House or Father Dear Father in the daytime. Mm. But your listeners will have to be of a certain age to know any of these shows that I'm talking about. I mean, some of them are ringing bells, but I can't say I'm familiar <laughs> with them. <laughs> they're, they're, they're distant bells. They're distant bells for you, Mike. I, I, it's really interesting that you mentioned kind of the, the, the acting and the theatre mm. side because mm-hmm. um, I often think it's something that is a real form of uh, I don't know if necessarily, probably support but I think expression uh, yes. and particularly people that might be struggling with different types of of mental health well-being of addiction different things yeah. um, it's a real opportunity to um, let go and to escape some of the stuff that you might be struggling with by yeah. taking on yeah. a, a character in a different role and actually um, it's it's really interesting hearing people talk about their their stories and their experiences after being involved in the arts in yes. that way. Um, yes. I don't know if you found it either yourself or for the people that you've been around, um, whether that has been a positive experience. Well, that's a very interesting question because my work, although I didn't really have a label of my uh, the, the program I developed because mm. I was making it up as I went along, could be described loosely as a form of drama therapy. Mm. But, um, more, but since I came through that myself and started working um, with vulnerable people who had just been um, detoxified, and been in residential rehab, just emerging very, very fragile out of the bubble or cocoon of residential rehab. I got involved after I um, sort of got my feet on the ground and probably got about a six to seven months of abstinence. I got involved with an extraordinary organisation called the Outside Edge Theatre, which now I'm a patron on and have been for some time, which helps people emerging from those kind of programs who are they're much better than they were but they are fragile their self-worth is is very can be very low and we did we use a form of drama to empower people it's not join the outside edge theater and you're going to be a movie star it's nothing like that at all Mm. but it's using drama to empower people so i would always recommend anyone to look at the outside edge theater website edge tc.org.uk and you can youtube myself and i'm very fortunate um i'm a co-patron with jimmy page and um pierce brosnan amongst others um who highlight the importance of this work so that's out there you can youtube us and you'll see me me and jimmy talking and simon woodruff um arrest uh, um one of the first what was he a dragon's den chap um and we're talking about how it helps people how it empowers people but that's um that's something that i'm involved with now um as a not as a performer Mm. because i i don't consider myself as a working actor anymore my my work under the mental health uh, umbrella has been more important um and i've done it for i just celebrated my 30th year working with addicts and alcoholics um so i'm tired and old and i'm (laughs) part-time 
semi semi retired. I, I I do like when you hear people um, speaking about retirement. It, it's like the they they work towards it as if it's going to be this leisurely thing, and then once they're actually retired, they then seem to be doing more than they did before they were retired. <laughs> Not just me, Mike. No. <laughs> oh, it does. It really makes me chuckle. We have uh, a volunteer uh, where I work, and he is a he's a trustee. He's mm-hmm. our treasurer, um, but he is a volunteer, and um, right. he he probably is in the office more than I am as a full time member of staff that's paid, and it just it blows my mind. And I think, yeah. Um, and the, I was talking to him the other day. I was like, are you, "What are you thinking about?" And he's like, "I think I I think I'm going to carry on for another four or five years." And wow, <laughs> like wow. you're already. <laughs> and he's like, "Then I might have a year or two off, and then." Mm. Then I think I'll find another project, and I was just like, "Wow, it's." I mean, it's it's hugely rewarding, obviously, for those people, and um, I just think it shows how passionate they are about yeah. Um, yeah. the particular cause and sharing yes. their own knowledge and their own experience and trying to provide a better environment for for those people that are here today. Sure, sure, but yeah, oh retirement talk is it is interesting i have to say um the addiction recovery stuff where, mm. kind of how did that start and, well, and how has it grown well the, it, it's amazing my fantasy was after i went through it all and uh, after um 17 years as an, a, a working actor i i did crash and burn and I, and i was in that situation where in the 60s i was using the substances but by the 80s the substances were using me and i crossed that invisible line and i lost my career i lost my confidence and um i lost my sort of zest for life really um but fortunately i was uh, got i was poured into a um a rehab called uh, Clouds in in near down near Salisbury, and they showed me. They got me physically better, um, i.e., they detoxified me. And it, it's I'm mentioning this because it's a, it comes up with people in that situation that I work with now, who previously would often think if I go to hospital and the medical profession take out the drink and drugs, I'm going to be fine, yeah. and of course that's not the case. Um, the medical profession deal with the substance. Yeah. Then when that is removed, there's work that needs to go on under understanding. Really, it's an education yeah. about why we did it and how we got there. But my fantasy was, after completion, almost thinking, well, I'm, I'm a good boy now, and I just assumed my career would come back to me, quite wrongly, on a, on a, on a sort of plate. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, well, I was no longer the boy next door. I was in my 30s, late 30s, and I was very angry because I made the assumption that things should all fit back in as the way David Charcombe thought they should. And of course, that wasn't the case. So I became very frustrated um, and had to deal with accepting that when I walked down Shaftesbury Avenue and saw the names in lights, it wasn't my names, but I'd look up at, I don't know, the cast of Hair or one of the musicals I'd been in, and the names above the title, there'd be someone, and I'd go, but hold on a second, that guy was my understudy. And then I'd look up at the, the titles over the, over the you know, the producers oh. who were above the title, and I'd go, but that that guy was the fourth assistant stage manager when I was, you know, there was a lot of resentment and anger and I had to 
except with the help of therapy and the support groups, um, AA, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, and a supportive group of like-minded people, they they helped me understand that just maybe it wasn't um, meant to be. Um, and then I saw a dear friend, a man who died um, from a few months ago, actually, lovely man, he's an actor, who, his name was Dudley Sutton. He, he helped me tremendously because he saw me hanging around a film set being an extra, which was a long, boring job. And um, I suppose I had to think about my ego and my humility. Uh, what was I doing there? And I said, Dad, Dudley, I'm so angry. I, I should be this, I should be that. And he said the most extraordinary thing. He said, David, have you ever considered that your higher power has got bigger plans for you than you could ever understand today? So that took um, some digesting. And then a week later, a woman opened the first men's 12-step halfway house in possibly England, but certainly London. And she invited Dudley. She said, you know about recovery. You've got acting. You're an actor, great communication skills. Come and talk to these men. And he was to say one sentence that was to change my future. He said, I'm too busy, but there's a guy called David Charcombe. And that's how it all started. I was invited in. I had no qualifications whatsoever. It just happened from my gut when I was faced with this group of quite um, nervous and uh, questioning serious men staring at me in this room as if to say, yeah, yeah, well, we've done our therapy. Now, what what have you got? Mm. And the beautiful thing is that what came into my head was uh, just a minute. What would I have liked someone to talk to me about when I'd just been released back into the big wide world? And that was the seed of what I call David Charcoal's recovery skills. And that led me, in a nutshell, into the NHS, which they spotted that I'd found something that no one else has thought of. Extraordinarily, I mean, this is 30, 28 years ago, they created a post for me. And I, I did 20 years of practice in the NHS helping prepare people for life without chemicals. I don't mean chemicals that you should be taking under doctor's mm. orders. I mean mood-altering drugs and alcohol and substances. Um, and I had a, you know, I was, I, was, I was blessed. I did three days a week part-time for 20 years. Um, but the other side, which has also been in the travel and all that side of it, mm. I also got a reputation because I've been a performer. People started to know that I've been a performer and I talked about the mood-altering effect of fame, yeah. which, which is a, is a, can be a very serious mood-altering subject, topic. This was before reality television. I sense, I don't watch hardly any of it, but I sense reality television is not caring enough about the actual participants because one reads about how it can trip or trigger mental health uh, issues mm. because of you're in the spotlight, you're all over the papers, you're famous. So anyway, I won't go on about it, but I got invited to tour with certain performers around the world as their sober companion. Um, I can talk, it's pub, I can only talk about clients I've worked with that's in the public domain. Mm. When I say the Osborne family, it's all in the public domain. There's mm. nothing 
Um, and I and I worked. I did three um, t- world tours with Black Sabbath as Ozzy Osbourne's sober companion, and I worked closely with the family. And that was a was a wonderful experience. And I got to see the world. And I had this extraordinary situation where on a Monday I could be in Paddington dealing with a street homeless heroin addict, and on a Tuesday I could be in a private jet with a rock star flying off to some super gig with hundreds of thousands of people and then back the next day into the NHS. So I've had a well-rounded view of addictions, whether Mm. whether you're street homeless or whether you've got your own ship. Um, Believe it or not, the loneliness um, and the dark dark times can be very similar. Um, And it also dispels the myth for many a people which I probably would have still thought of had I not been involved in the business, that fame and riches equals peace of mind. Mm. Mm. I think it's it's interesting hearing you talk about that experience as well, because I think often um, when you're quite proactive around mental health and you're engaged in lots of different conversations, be that about mm. recovery, support, whatever, yeah. Um, you sort of think, no, the tide has really turned. People don't have those views and people are aware. And da, da, da. Like, mm. It's being mindful of the people that you're talking to are going to be more um, informed because they're talking to you about it. They found you somehow or you found them and you've yeah. got that shared interest or experience. And it's, it's recognising actually that's not everyone. Those people that haven't got to a stage yet in their life where they maybe... It, experience that struggle that struggle is still not happened for them are they informed and how would you know whether they are exactly um i think is really important and um also this uh, you sort of mentioned that 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 crossover between uh let's say fame uh Mm -hmm. recognition Mm-hmm. Um, again tr- try not to undo the last point I made but I think there is that understanding now I think I think is my opinion uh, I hope so. there's that understanding that everyone and anyone can experience that struggle yeah. um, but that that kind of recognition or support for people is very much sort of set into oh that is a particular person and they would access this or whatever and as you right. mentioned those people that are on um sort of a fast track to fame mm. um whether that's long term or short term it it's it's not necessarily dangerous but it puts them in a vulnerable position i think because yes. they're suddenly in a world where they are exposed in a way they never were before or they're earning yes. Yes. money that they've never had and how do i spend that or oh it's i can afford to pay my bills and i can afford to get the shop in and what yes. else is there and I saw, um, I think uh, a few weeks ago, there was, uh, I don't know if it was part of some other program, but there was uh, a short video clip that I saw with um, Paul Merson talking about his, uh, oh, yes, his gambling yes. addiction. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And um, um, it all seemed to come from, or when he started to experience that, it was just, it was excess money. Uh, right, right. More, more money than he knew what to deal with. Uh, and it mm. started kind of getting interested in gambling and it kind of led from there and then a problem ensued because either they're probably a combination of no support available and no awareness of any support. Mm. Um, and it's it's that side that if you are, I think if you're brought up as a young person, hopefully in, in that kind of fame environment, mm. support is put in place by parents, by managers, by whoever. 
um, but someone that just turns up and goes onto a TV program and is on there for a couple of months and then is back out, you're exactly. back in your council house and you're walking yes. up and down the street and going into Asda, but people want mm-hmm. your signature and your picture and ha- your life is drastically changed in a yes. short-term period. And-, and, and, and then what? But you raised an important point. You're, you are right. There is definitely more in the media and people sort of coming out of the closet about mental health, mm. well-known people, which is progress. You're, you're absolutely right. But it's funny or interesting you should talk about gambling because mm. the reason I'm off to Thailand t- tomorrow is because I'm the ambassador for the... Uh, a, 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 a program uh, and a rehab and wellness center called the Cabin Chiang Mai up near Burma. Okay. Um, and and that covers, uh, I'm really um, proud to be involved with the cabin because it, it covers um, addiction in many forms. Uh, as you know, it can be drinking drugs, but it can be gambling. Mm. And as I guess you may well be aware of the one that is most recently being talked about, and that is gaming. Mm. Um, and I've been involved with, with, with rehabilitation, rehabilitation programs for many, many years. But what, well, why I'm going out there is because I'm, I'm going to see their new developments because there, number one, they've got a hospital on site, which is, as you can understand, the importance oh, of that. Yeah. But they have a men's, women and women's program. They have a young men's program. They have an Arabic speaking program. And they've just opened the LBGT Center oh, for because the area of there's drug use, like my generation drug use in the 60s, but the, the more recent drug use. And also they're dealing with um, clients um, in the LBGT a group that yeah. are experiencing with chemsex, um, mm. which, which is an area that needs as much support as possible. So that's really, um, I wanted to mention that, but it actually dovetails pretty well with the Outside Edge Theatre because our director, um, Matt Steinberg, is directing a play very soon at the Soho's Theatre called Tumulus, and that is based on the... Um, the serial murders that happened last year um, in the gay community. Mm. So it's, it's kind of, it's all kind of, well, it's all connected. I find life. Yeah. Well, it's, as you mentioned there, it's often, I think, those things that we don't, uh, don't talk about or don't understand. Just yes. Like, oh, I might socially drink or socially gamble, yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to talk about the time when I went and gambled more than I could afford or Absolutely. I sat at home all of Saturday drinking by myself. Yeah. Um, and, and like you say, actually, the the, the importance of recognising um, the role that intimate relations play yes. in our, our identity um, is hugely important and whether whether you do um, kind of identify as LGBT or um, you don't, I think actually there's there's certain, I don't know, certain misconceptions that we have, there's certain assumptions that we make that actually really make it difficult for people to come forward that, and talk that's about right. something. Uh, yeah, and also what I call the English condition, which is you don't talk about yeah. it, you just kind of wallow in yeah. shame and it's not talked about. So that's... Hopefully, I mean it's coming out in many senses, really. Mm. Um, but but I think with those issues and with drink and drugs, all of those, and, and I'm I, I you know I am a recovering alcoholic and addict, and and and, and a day at a time. It's been three decades since I last um, used the substance, but I have not 
done it on my own. It's important. And I'm sure um, interviews you, 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 you've done with mm. um, all areas of mental health, the importance of support groups, because yeah. in a nutshell, whatever it is, I don't want to be alone with mm. this. As mm. you just said, we need mm. to talk about it. And I've, I've maintained my recovery a day at a time and the people that I work with because they get involved with the support groups. And in a nutshell, it's knowing you're not the only one. I think that, like you say, is so important. There are there are days, there are moments when we can mm. we can manage and we can struggle through and sure. that British stiff upper lip. Well, there you go. And, the, but and there's a limit, lip. isn't there? There's a limit yeah. as to how much you can do, and it's it's not a defeat in asking for support. It's not a defeat in looking for no. um, access to something that that. Yeah. Um, in an ideal world, you you wouldn't have to look for that because you would have probably been given it years and years ago. Um, Hopefully, But yes. we're not quite there yet. Um, right. And that's where programmes like the, like the Recovery Centre um, uh, and promoting things like um, theatre, like the arts, like a range of different support to people are so hugely important and encouraging them to, to feel less alone and to... Have real examples because I think we're we're, just, we're getting to a stage where people have heard this phrase of of not being alone. They're aware of statistics, yeah. of people that yeah. are struggling, but to actually have that opportunity to have a conversation with people like yourself or somebody else that that may be struggling or have struggled and and have that open conversation, I really think shifts your mindset. It's not an abstract number or figure. No. This is it's real people that have um, real struggles. Some may yeah. be similar to yours. Some may be very very yeah. different. Um, yeah, but it helps to bring people out of the dark because mm. it is a dark lost place and uh, so that's what I recommend it, it, and I say to my clients or during a lecture in, in a program because I've worked in and done lectures in programs mm. all the way from in India and back um, now that you stopped how are you going to stay stopped yeah. so it's about getting support and aftercare mm. it's, it's that journey isn't it I think um and not necessarily having, you don't have to have an end point, you don't have to have a goal. No. It's well, that, an ongoing. I, I, this, I think the tagline, a day at a time, mm. fits this. Because mm. um, I'm not clairvoyant. No. And uh, I don't think I will be tomorrow, but who knows. I have started this thing that is, it, my girlfriend gets quite annoyed with this, but every so often I'm like, I, I have a go and see if I can do some telekinesis. And I'm like, oh, well, every so know. often I feel like I should just try out some different little skills and see if I can do something. Right. Um, and okay, yeah, it's a funny example, but you know what, if you see a, if you see a form of support, if you think that there might be something that's that. useful for you, just have a look. doesn't matter if you feel it, like it's unrealistic. Well, it it can be. And, and I, what I've witnessed is people, something called equine therapy, where people work with horses. Oh, yeah. And that helps with trust. And I shall be well. I shall be helping bathe elephants in two days' time up oh. in Shanghai. They take the clients there out to spend time with the elephants. They have something called monk talk, where the Buddhist monks who speak English come in and do a talk. So I think this this threefold thing of physical, mental, and spiritual mm. is a really important triangle for for the future and uh, of healing. I think that's um. It's a really nice place to kind of round us off. I, and going away thinking about those very positive images of, of you going away and um, being involved in some very nice well-being activities yeah. there. Yeah, 
Um, if people wanted to find out a bit more about yourself or some of the things that are going on with the recovery centres, um, where's the best place for them to find out? Um, well, they can contact me at dcharkham, D-C-H-A-R-K-H-A-M, at AOL.com. Um, they can uh, YouTube me and they can Google me and it's all out there, my story um, and various other interviews. We've got YouTube. There's myself and Jimmy Page talking about the outside edge and um, various other experiences, some quite um, bizarre experiences uh, for those sci-fi uh, <laughs> freaks. I was an ape in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oh, wow. um, and there's a lot about that. So my, I had a very odd career. Again, you've got to be old enough to remember, but to be, have been in 2001, A Space Odyssey and Crossroads, oh. which is quite stunning. Um, and my recent last film, I played Kira Knightley's father in The Imitation Game, most oh. of which cutting room floor but that's life um so i still act a little bit but the most important thing is to let people know that they can get treatment and get s supported at the cabin in thailand and also if they're in early recovery from addictions they could approach the outside edge theater so have a look at those, both those websites and um it's been great talking to you yeah, you too. Thank you so much. It's really interesting to hear a bit more about your story. And I think the theatre side is so interesting. If if you mm. feel like it's you're not going to be able to get there, at least have a look and get some ideas. There might be something sure. um, local to you as well. And I think hopefully I'm, I'm positive that there's going to be a, a growth um, of of mental health and well-being kind Absolutely. of stuff going on within the arts um, in the coming uh, years. So uh, Absolutely. All right. Well, it's good talking to you. And um, let me know when it's... Um done and dusted i'd love to hear it i will do i'll let you know i, I i'm planning for uh the episode to go up in i think it'll be two two weeks i think it'll go up <laughs> okay no um, rush I'll, I'll be away for two weeks oh wow well, yeah you'll be but out I, there bathing with the elephants yeah 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 no getting soaked by elephants all right but it's really good to talk to you and i really enjoy what i see on the website and, and, and it is so important so um ho who knows it might this might help somebody awesome. hearing this Thank you so much for coming on the interior. Okay, Mark. All the best. Bye. Bye. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, okay, tell me a bit about what's going on. So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. And I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone, and then you hear other people talk about it, and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave, or I could relate to that, um, and then they want to talk about it.